Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 166. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you for tuning in. This week I am joined by the amazing Ashlyn B. This was a great conversation. It wasn't the first time we've met, but it's the first time we've had a proper a proper chatter. And it was absolutely lovely. I, I, I could have listened to her talk for hours on end. It was a wonderful um, chat. Before we get into that, though... Um, thank you all for tuning in, in last week. Amazing reaction to <laughs> possibly the most excited I've been in an episode. Uh, the most sad at the beginning, as I told my tale of heartbreak in the intro. But then the most excited when I was talking to um, to Rebecca and Melanie from Ben and Jerry's and the IRC. So that was hugely exciting. Um, a lot of you have been tweeting... Ben and Jerry's to tell them that you want them to make the ice cream flavour I came up with live on the podcast. Tweet away. I think the more pressure that they get, the better. I think that's a great ice cream flavour. And I want to see my smiling bearded face in the middle of Ben and Jerry's smiling bearded faces on a tub. Um, Unlikely, though, in it. But yeah, fun anyway. Um, Things I have to tell you about this week. Today, oh my good lord. Uh, I, I mean, I've just recorded, I'm, I'm recording this intro the week before this podcast came out, and I've recorded three in this last week, so there's some really good ones to come. Next week I've got Will Poulter on, who's in a great film at the moment called Detroit, he was also in Revenant, Maze Runner, tons of amazing things, uh, Son of Rambo way back in the day, but yeah, anyway... What I was about to tell you about was today, as this comes out, um, my new range of trainers is launched, and this is a massive deal for me. Um, I did I designed some trainers last year with Who shoes, some boots, and they they sold out in the pre-order period, uh, which was insane. So they decided they were up for, for for working with me again, and we sat down and came up with two two men's designs and two to a women's designs because last time we didn't come up with any women's designs so yeah it's kind of exciting that they it all launches today i would have blasted it on my social media no doubt we did an amazing photo shoot so on instagram if you you follow me you'll know every now and then i do one of them ridiculous multi-posts I reckon I'm going to do one that's at least six images because this this photo shoot was amazing it might be nine images but um yeah, you'll be able to find it all there or um, on the Who Shoes website. And it's OHW Shoes, it's Who Backwards, so OHW. Uh, if you search all of that, you'll be able to find them. And hopefully you'll lo- love them as much as I do and you'll get your orders in. Um, the other thing I have to tell you about, relevant, as I'm speaking t- 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 to Ashlyn B. Um, and we talk about Ireland and, and Dublin... I'm coming to Dublin for a Distraction Pieces podcast live, and I'm very excited about this. I wasn't meant to be doing any this year, any live ones. Um, I did about eight last year and a couple the year before, and I was taking a year off from them because I'm so busy. But the opportunity to do one in, in Dublin came about, and I could not resist that. So, yeah, grab your tickets. It's September 21st, I believe, um, at the Tivoli or Tivoli to vote to to uh, a theatre, Tivoli Theatre. Um, grab your tickets ASAP. We're trying to because the tickets are going well. 
we're trying to look at potentially doing uh, a second night, a bonus night of something a bit different. I won't go into too much detail. It's basically we're going to look at ticket sales in the next next week or so, and then potentially add another little extra thing. Obviously, the Thursday night is going to be the main event. I've got in general at the live ones. I don't have guests. I sometimes have surprise guests. At the moment, I've got a fucking awesome surprise guest for Dublin. It may or may not happen, but I think it will, and it'll be amazing. So come along to that, basically, Thursday the 21st. Please buy your tickets immediately for the Dublin Podcast Festival. And as I said, the more advanced sales we get, the more we can look at potentially doing a few extra bits while I'm over. So swoop in and get involved. And wait, I mean, I should mention the way the live ones work is in ge- in general, you guys are the audience. Are the audience or the guest? So rather than just passing a mic out and you ask a question, I get a cue to form at the side of the stage. I have chairs and microphones on stage and you come up and you can either ask a question or pick a, a subject you'd like to discuss or get my opinion on or, or something you'd like to tell me about a story you'd like to tell me and we have a little a little moment and a little interaction and the crowd are there and we record it so yeah i'm looking forward to that i've always had great like post gig in ireland has always been the longest time spent on the merch table because of the conversations had so i'm thinking that dublin isn't going to be a problem to fill some time with some chatter um and whatnot so yeah Come along to that. Get your tickets now. Let's get on with the podcast, eh? Um, at the end of the podcast, I'll tell you about a few of the ones that we've got um, in the pipeline. But for now... Oh, I, I'm going to mention... I normally mention it at the end, but in the first half, I'm going to mention the rest of the podcast on the network. Um, a hardcore listing with Chris and Stu of the Drunk Cast has been amazing of late. They've had some amazing guests picking some amazing uh, topics. The Brett Goldstein episode picking his top five worst or most awkward comedy gigs was genius. The Jordan Gray episode, picking her top five comedians, stand-ups, was a favourite. Ed, Ed, uh, Chris's mate, was on there picking his top five drinks and his top five worst types of customer he served in the drinks, entertainment, club night, venue, bar industry. So that's hilarious. You'll relate to a lot of them. Um, yeah, in general, just check the boys out. It's, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Then there's Tuesday Night Jaw. Oh, I'm glad I brought this one up, actually, because as this goes out, it's only a week or so away before we have Tuesday Night Jaw live. So I'm going to be joining Jim Smallman, along with the amazing Glenn Joseph and a load of others, at Tuesday Night Jaw live on September 8th in London. King's Place, I think. I might remember that wrong. But it's part of the London podcast festival i believe it's at midday on the on the saturday uh so come along to that it's the weekend of the huge progress show at ali pali which is sold out but the live tuesday night draw podcast isn't so i'll be on the panel and we'll be chatting and rambling on so grab your tickets for that and also always of course check out stop and search with Jason Reed, he had Marcus Brigstock on as a guest recently, it's a fantastic episode and Say Why to Drugs with Dr. Susie Gage which is 
the most successful podcast on the network outside of Distraction Pieces, and I think it'll, it'll overtake Distraction Pieces soon enough. So check that out. All great podcasts. But for now, this is episode 166 with Ashlyn B. Actually, I'm going to turn it around because it should be that way. Oh, with the red. Uh, the red dot, yeah. Can you hear all that? I can hear all that. And we've okay. started. That's oh. how we're starting. Oh. Wherever you're saying hello. That's a hello. nice welcome, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm joined today warmly in your living room by Ashlyn B. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, it's you, you feel free to say that we've uh, provided you with a free glass of water. Yep, I have had. I have got a, mm-hmm. a, a, a glass of, of water. It's the only reason I go in for auditions is because of the free, <laughs> free, glass, the free of glass of water. So I'm always like, yes, this is going to be great. Time to hydrate. I'm going to fill up. Act. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how's it going? How are you? I think it's. I'm. I'm well enough. I've come. You seem to- nice and busy. Yeah, I ha- I've kind of come to the end very much this week of quite a busy period. Yeah. And by that, I don't mean like, uh, ladies, <laughs> I mean a, a time, a time yeah. of, uh, of chunk of time. Um, and so I feel a little bit more relaxed. I kind of tend to burn the candle yeah. quite a lot and then go, why did you do that? You really aren't well. And it's then get my time to get myself back. Completely. It. It's one of the things when you're in any industry that kind of you are your job. Yeah. That. You, there is that natural thing of, oh, I need to just, just keep going. I need to keep going. You don't know. You sort of have, um, a sort of nomadic quality to your life and you're not sure whether, when it might rain again in the desert. So you try and farm a lot. Guys, we've got a farm. We don't know. Next summer might, might have nothing. I I think it must be. Big shout out to all the farmers who understand that metaphor there. Um, it's always reassuring to hear that that's the case and the fear at every level of, of your career because yeah. the because the, the fact is as as said and we'll get into loads of different things mm. but you have been really busy and there is a lot going on but i love that i love the idea that a robert de niro finishes a film and thinks oh i oh, wonder God. if there's going to be i think wonder most if anything people, else is going to come in at the end of the month most people during their formative <laughs> career years spend more time worrying about money and whether it'll happen yeah than and that, that kind of forms their brain. Yeah. And so then when stuff starts coming in, you never think you're going to be that lucky for that to yeah. last forever. Yeah. And maybe until you get to such a level where like seven of your houses would have to burn down before you have nowhere to live <laughs> yeah, that you yeah, might think exactly. to yourself, maybe I can chill out and enjoy this. So yeah. that's how I feel about it with stuff. But you have to be careful not to not to not enjoy any of it. Yeah which I sometimes get to. I'm like, no, just, just keep working. Onto the next yeah. one, onto the next onto thing. The next I mean, thing, the and thing. again, that there is, not to panic you, mm-hmm. but there is a logic in it, in that yeah. it's not the kind of job that you have a pension and you have this exactly. and you have that. It's literally yeah. while you're working is the only time you're earning. It's not, oh, well, you've got sick yeah, leave, you've got exactly. this or that. It's like, while you're working, that's when you're getting paid. And as soon as you stop, mm-hmm. you're not anymore. Maybe if so you, you were in something... So you do kind of have to earn for your If you were in something in the life. 90s where the contracts, they didn't know that box sets and Netflix were going to take off. Yeah. So some people are in shows during the 90s, like The Office and stuff. Yeah. And they still get royalties every time it's shown. But then they like locked down on that. But maybe if you were in one of those shows, you could relax because you're like, even if I never work again, that show yeah. kept, keeps on getting shown on Dave. Yeah, I was going to say, you know? Dave, they must have locked down on that or Dave couldn't exist because yeah, it yeah. cost a fortune. I feel to keep like everyone who's shows. on QI 
Yeah. 10 years ago, I was probably still getting a bite of cash. Yeah. But every time there's a repeat of something <laughs> yeah. I'm on, I don't get any sweet, sweet cash from that. Not so. a thing. That's outrageous. <laughs> um, and let's kind of go back to the the the, the start and your upbringing. Um, oh, it oh, was you rough. From in Ireland? You can't Nick even Kildare, believe it. Where? No shoes. Um, where am I from? <laughs> I'm from Kildare in Ireland, which is a very horsey area. Yes. So I was surrounded by horses growing up. My mother... Amazing is a retired jockey. My father was a horse vet. And oh, wow. so, so all of our... Horsey. Very horsey. And all of the town was horsey. I and love so, how genuinely in Ireland, <laughs> outside of Dublin and that, it is fields and country yeah, roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, the, the first time we toured out there, it would be like, at points, the sat-nav would just be like, it's over, it's that it's way. Roughly, it's over roughly that way. Over yeah, there. yeah, we'll yeah. aim you in that direction. <laughs> that's a wonderful thing, right? I mean, yeah. looking at it at a distance, how was that? I suppose it feels like if that? you grew up in, in um, a house in a town full of magicians, you'd be like, oh, magicians are so yeah. boring. <laughs> if I have to see another bloody card trick, we can all yeah. do card tricks. That's how I felt about the sort of jockey and horses element. Yeah. And then once I went to university, especially once I moved to England, yeah. where horse racing is a very upper class thing, Completely. and in Ireland it's a really working class thing. That and people right, like you yeah, were brought up around horse racing just felt like like I just jumped out of a ditch and go. Does anyone want a pint? I was raised on pints. I yeah. grew up in a ditch, <laughs> um, so people seemed to feel like it was a. But I kind of forgot that it was special or weird in any way. Yeah, that's a weird conflict, isn't it? Or comparison? It is again. My upbringing. I've never been. I, or I wasn't near horses until. I've yeah. done some things in acting. That I went out with a guy it, from Birmingham and he was brought up in Birmingham City and until he was 16, he'd never seen a cow up close. And he says <laughs> he remembers when they brought this bus of uh, Birmingham <laughs> City kids out of the farm. They were all too um, scared to get off the bus because they thought the cows were going to eat them. <laughs> and like on the way back, they had a McDonald's and they were like, you know, the cow you thought was going to eat you is in that burger. Literally, you are eating your enemy. You're, you're he, expressing your dominance. He also that thought that milking cows, when he saw them being milked, he was like, oh, so is milk cow wank? That's wow. what he thought it was. And you're like, wow. no, I mean, no, it's it's not. I mean, it's a beautiful thought, though, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that it would be one of the most popular drinks yeah. in, in It really, in those cows are really not getting wanked, no let me tell you that. It. That is not, I mean, if the dairy industry want to use that against vegans, it's yeah. not wanking. Yeah, <laughs> it really it's, is not. It's, it, it really isn't quite. Yeah. So, so you came over to the UK for study is that the case i was at university in dublin and i was in a sketch group while i was at university and then oh, i got my heart broken and i was like i'm never again going to perform a comedy at all thank <laughs> you very much i'm going to go to drama school in london and Amazing. do monologues and then when i get out of drama school um i had no agent i had bleach blonde hair and i was not immediately getting cast as medea at the national theater of yeah. london Weird. um so I kind of ended up writing a lot and doing a lot of like comedy workshops and little kind yeah. of comedy things and then getting little comedy parts. Because the thing about comedy is people don't laugh at someone if they're not funny mm-hmm. or they don't laugh at them just because they're famous. So in drama, people right. might look at you and put a load of music around you. And if you're not a good actor, you can kind of fake being good at dramatic acting because yeah. you look out a window, put a nice bit of radio head behind it and all of a sudden people think you're having yeah, really deep completely. thoughts. But you can't fake funny. Yeah. And people will watch a cat being funny on the on YouTube just as much as they will a really famous funny person yeah. doing all yeah. of their great stand-up on TV. You see the mention of a cat being funny, funny made, me laugh, it, yeah. made me laugh, genuinely made me laugh. The first time Brilliant. I've seen you laugh since Imagine you've come it. into the house. I wish, I, I, wish, I wish you'd look at me, Pip. 
the way you looked into your mind at that cat. <laughs> that cat I've, I've, I've got a mate who um, I, I wish someone would ever laugh at me the way he laughs at his own jokes. Because oh, he honestly wow. is just... He, I've never seen anyone so happy. He, mm. he at points is mocking me and struggling to get the words out. Even though there's just <laughs> yeah, the two of us. He finds himself in so tears funny. of laughter at what yeah. he's saying. It's like, well... Good, good, fair play to you. I love that as a person. I hate watching people like that. It re- really makes me laugh. It's, it's the most arrogant of all of the laughs. It is, but it's kind of, it works as well because it gets people on board. I'm, I'm, yeah, I that's love, true. I, I love Gervais, but I think part of the podcast thing was always yeah. the fact that he was in such tears of laughter at mm-hmm. his own hilarity yeah. that I was brought along on that ride. Yeah. Potentially, or it's essentially you're bringing your own laughter track along with you God. and people know... Ha- like when to laugh then and when I to enjoy it, I do wish I had that skill actually to, yeah. to find myself funny. I, just, I still can't understand it. That's maybe yeah. why I sort of burrow away yeah. and try to kind of like go, well, while the going's good, I seem to have to attract all of these people. Um, <laughs> because I don't, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'd be, Yeah, I'm not sure I'd find myself funny. Maybe. But did you drift naturally into the comedy scene in, in the UK? Because it's interesting because Dublin is, it's an amazing place for drama, for comedy, but it seems to, there's so much that is just for, from Ireland, for Ireland. Oh, there's, there's, yeah. there's so We're much real drama and stuff like that that just stays there and literally never makes it into the UK or anywhere else. And it's weird. Yeah. It wasn't until um, I was chatting with, I was chatting with Aidan Gillen and hearing some of the roles he's played and some of the things he's done that I've never heard of. I was yep. like, Wow, that's an amazing story about a politician, about this and that. It's like, where yeah. can I watch this? He's like, in in Ireland. No, if you're so in you Ireland. literally need to get Ireland's on the ferry. Ireland's one of those places that's <laughs> so, it can be really, like you can affect great change there very quickly. Like yeah. say the gay marriage thing, for example, yeah. thing. The gay marriage referendum was a huge deal, yeah. but it was only able to happen at such speed in Ireland because sometimes once something gets run away, it's just a small town. Yeah, yeah, yeah Everything yeah, yeah. can happen very quickly. So everyone can get on board with an idea of or course. fundraise and that's a beautiful thing. The yeah. bad part of it is, is that it can be very small minded and that everyone believe the same thing it's still 84% Catholic um, since the last census it's a very small minded place in a lot of ways and with that we're like sure we'll make our own stuff for our own people we won't even have to think to change the references my friend Emily Heller who's an American stand-up was overdoing a, a comedy festival there recently and there was this VIP magazine left in her hotel room. Yeah. And VIP is the magazine for Irish celebrities to be on. And it's out every week and there's only 5 million people in the country and there's yeah. probably been 7 million episodes <laughs> of the VIP magazine. Brilliant. And so how do you even find enough people to fill the pages? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I was looking at this magazine and I think one woman was in it and she was famous because she'd moved from New York. <laughs> and that was her angle. celebrity. Like that, like in Ireland, just to even be famous is like you did something once, maybe you were in the background in the news or something like that and then like yeah. in your town you're a hero. Like you were, you, you did um, the, you know, you gave it the flip the finger and my dad a reader or something. And my dad volunteers at a local park and he recently asked me to to come and open it (laughs) and I said no because it was that thing of I was like literally everyone in this town will recognise me more from Tesco's because I've got a big beard and I look weird they'll just be like 
that's the bloke from Tesco's. Tesco's. He must work at Tesco's. Yeah, yeah. yeah he must work. <laughs> and that'll be it. It won't be for anything I've done because it's not that kind of. You know what's really weird of... about that Tesco guy? When he was open it, he started rhyming. I'm like, leave it out, mate. Get back to the tills. He was so confused. We're just trying to open the bloody Tesco's. But yeah, I was too embarrassed. I was like, I can't, I can't do it, Dad. I'll come along. Yeah. I'll watch it all, but I can't be the one to open. And it's it, a loveliness to it. I remember because sometimes <laughs> I get annoyed. When people think at like a small, I remember I did a McDonald's ad when I was at university. Now that McDonald's ad put me to university, through university. Yes. The money it made me at the time was huge and it really helped me out and helped me move to England and stuff like that. So I'll always be grateful for it. But it was me uh, kissing the face off this guy and then finding a euro in his back pocket. And then Amazing. I would go mm, with my face and I was going to use that euro for the euro saver menu at McDonald's. Sweet. Now I knew that that would never get seen by anyone. I was delighted. Cut to a week later, it's on every bus. The back, I'm on the back of every bus in Ireland and there's only one bus stop in my town. Oh, wow. And it was on the bus stop. I was there with a Euro, looking at a Euro like it was the best thing I'd ever seen, holding a guy's arse. And that was the only bus stop in our town. Amazing. And so literally everyone yeah. in the town... Knew we'll have it was seen me. That and we'll know. Yes, exactly. And I, <laughs> someone wrote on it something like "Ashling's a slag" or something, which was a fair enough review for the time. To be fair. And my mother went in that night with J cloth and some sif oh, and scrubbed wow. it off. Oh, and man. I remember every time I went home to the nightclub, no matter how many plays I did up in Dublin with the Dramatic Theatre yeah. Company, no matter how many Shakespearean monologues I learned, or I went to Edinburgh with three successful uh, sketch group shows. I was still, every time I went home, they go, she's loving it. Uh, like I couldn't get away from it. And I remember being would. so annoyed about it. But I also remember when I was about eight, there was this woman who'd been in the Leinster Leader newspaper as a model for wedding dresses. Right. And she was at a funeral we were at. And myself and my friend Orla couldn't stop staring at her. And she's like, she's the woman from the Leinster Leader magazine <laughs> who wore that wedding dress. Oh my God, we are so honoured to even be near her at this funeral. Wait, well, and I remember that moment for all of my life yeah. because we were like, there she is in our actual town at an actual funeral that we plebs are at. And that was such a big deal to us then in our world. It was huge. So I keep on forgetting that like, once you work more in this world, in this industry, the people you meet and the comedians you meet who yeah. might have one time been only people you would have known from TV yeah. are suddenly your friends and they're your colleagues and it all sorts of you numb to it a little bit or, you, or I think as much as anything you, you get to see that they're just people yeah and when you, yeah, when we're all just not working away that, it's this behind yeah. it's literally behind plastic and yeah exactly it's, 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 it's that thing that you do go oh right that's just a yeah. regular person it shouldn't Most be that people are like that and then say uh, Jimmy Carr has these house parties yeah. and I turned up early to one recently and um, I'm <laughs> never early to anything and I'm like hiya Jimmy there you go there's a bottle for you la, la. he's like sure sure come into the kitchen no problem there's a few people in there already and I'm like great 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 I go into the table and Stephen Hawkins is inside sitting at the table obviously oh, wow. he's sitting at the table Yeah, but um, I was like oh my god there's him at a house party yeah that's a good impression of, oh yeah, that wasn't supposed to be. Can I just say for clarification, that was not my impression of him. Um, he, he does not speak as fast as he does in the Specsavers adverts. Excellent. Little celeb right. scoop for you there. Yeah, um, but couldn't believe he was there. And that's yeah. the sort of, there are certain times and everyone at the party was starstruck and there were a lot of stars at the party and it did feel like there are still people who <gasps> yeah. create a gasp no matter where they go. It's, it's that beautiful thing of 
fame and celebrity has changed in society now that that's a goal whereas mm-hmm. i think and it's something i wanted to t- t- talk to about um uh, uh, your career because i think it's it, you've shown a really interesting route in that um that it's i'm i'm completely on board with famous celebrity for being famous for doing something well rather than just famous for being yeah. famous or that goal of being famous. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Hawkins couldn't be a better example of yeah, that. Really. He's only famous for just being <laughs> insanely intelligent. Yeah. Again, he's not the most marketable dude. He's not, <laughs> you know, so you wouldn't have picked, but he's famous because of how brilliant he is. So I can yeah. completely understand how another comedian you might look at and go, yeah, I see the journey. Good I see they've that, got this, I've got yeah. this, I can see that. Whereas him, it's like, yeah. that's, and maybe it's a sort of to be famous at a level where there might be some people in a supermarket who might recognize me most people when they see me look at me twice and think is she a primary school teacher from near my house (laughs) like i've got that sort of primary school teacher look about me (laughs) and but in generally maybe you'll know me lots if you know the world i work in like comedy or if you've seen something i'm in but it's rare especially nowadays to reach a level where you're in culture. Yeah. Um, I also sneaked into, this sounds like a name drop, but I sneaked into Jimmy Kimmel's Emmys party last wow. year. So wow. I was like Sharon Horgan's plus one for her and she was going to the Emmys and Amazing. I went to her party and then, which I was legally invited to, then everyone was going to Jimmy Kimmel's party and I was not invited. And I snuck in behind <laughs> someone Brilliant. holding an Emmy and I tried, he was a sort of older man and I tried to look like his inappropriately young girlfriend Fantastic. and it worked. Yeah, no one questions that. No one questions that in Hollywood. And I really wanted to go back to the bouncers and go, guys, you're doing a terrible job. I just managed to sneak in, but I obviously yeah. didn't. But when I went in and there, I saw like, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe you know my work. <laughs> I'm loving it. Um, and when I went in, I saw this man I knew really well. And just as I was supposed about to put my hand on his shoulder, I realized that I didn't know him really well. He was John Travolta, but he was so in our consciousness and I was very drunk (laughs) that I thought I knew him really well. He had that level and around Mm -hmm. him was a circle of nothing. So most people were kind of um, schmoozing and sort of chatting to people, blah, 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 blah. And no one was going near him. And I realized because he was too famous to be anywhere. Yeah, there's no, he could only maybe really hang out with Beyonce or Kanye West. Yeah. He's too famous. Yeah. And actually I thought, God, there must be a loneliness in that because there was a bit of a disco and I was like, God, I'd say everyone, he'd want to dance given his history, I'm making assumptions. (laughs) Um, I mean, he also might want to try and put everyone into the, um, the, the lizard uh, spaceship and take us all off to space with the rest of the Scientologists. But dancing his way. But, dan- but, he couldn't, he would but he had no on one to way. dance yeah. with. And I thought to myself, oh my God, poor old Grease Lightning has it no is, one to dance with because he's too famous it is to be anywhere. And it's something I, And Stephen I, Hawkins had that same sort of people were afraid to go over him because yeah. they had the, I think all of us at the party, except for Jimmy, he's like, yeah, go over and talk to me. He loves comedy. And I was like, I can't, I can't. what if I say something stupid? <laughs> like I wouldn't know what to say yeah. to, to, and that's rare for me that I wouldn't go, hiya. You coming out with any more books? Something lighter next time, Stephen, perhaps that I can get on board with. It's 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 fascinating because I I I I dated a girl once. Oh right, Pip. There was this no need to go on about it. (laughs) And 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 she was was quite famous. And at first, I was confused that she had so many friends that were all super famous, but in completely Mm. different areas. And then you realise it's because of that. It's because of that you can't often just have those casual mm. n- night out type hang out with people. So they are all, it was all um, 
a Robin Williams was one of her mates, and then yeah. one of the guys from Jackass, and then this guy yeah. in the band, and all this. And it's like, in my mind, I was like, there's no link here. I understand comedians all know yes. each, each other. I understand bands all knowing each other. Yeah. But I think it is you get to that certain level of fame that they're the people that will mm. approach you. If Brad Pitt was there, he would have strolled straight up to John Travolta and given him yeah, a wet yeah, willy. Exactly. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it, it would have had that casualness. But as you're not Brad Pitt or whatever, yeah. you're standing How do you even begin? It's John Travolta. I think, especially in comedy, so I'm an actor as well, and you can yes. maybe reach that level as an actor to do that. But in comedy, it's so important not to ever let yourself get to the stage where you can't be outside of it. Because right. once you can't observe and be an underdog a little bit, you can't do the job anymore. When yeah. you become too famous to for people to approach or or people can't talk to you, you kind of can't do your job anymore. Yeah, you so can't you, absorb the right You can't, impulse. yeah, and you have to really watch out for that happening. You have to sort of take maybe a break yeah. away from them. Not that this has never happened to me, but I've observed with super famous comedians, mm. they've had to take a break away from being on screen maybe. Yeah. Go down to Tesco's a bit, kind of mooch around and then come back with some... I remember watching actually, like there's a nice bits to, to talk about, but in, in terms of... Uh, when you become that famous. I remember I was uh, in LA doing some gigs and Drew Carey yeah. came on stage and his he was doing 20 minutes and that's a long set in LA. People yeah. don't do long sets. And the first 15 minutes was really like hack comedy. Just like, uh, you know, I've, I've heard this joke maybe a million times where, you know, I think gay marriage should come in because gay people have the right to be as miserable as everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that joke sick. has been done God knows how many times. And I was like, God, yeah. he clearly hasn't been down to any gigs lately. He, he hasn't, hasn't been... hung out with my dad. <laughs> he hasn't hung down with Pips. <laughs> he hasn't hung out with Pips' dad. <laughs> but also he hasn't been to enough gigs to see that that's, that's the angle most people are taking. Yeah, yeah. And... Only, and he was doing stuff about kind of almost like stuff about the bus. And we're looking at him thinking, this might be your old, old material because you don't get the bus anymore. Mm. Now, then in the last five minutes, he lit up and we all sparked up because he was talking about finding it really weird living in a mansion and having a cleaner. Right. And he, but he was still talking about it from his humble attitude, which he'll mm. never lose. But he talked about sometimes I have this cleaner come in and there's no, there hasn't been any dirt in the house, but I don't want to not pay her wage. And so sometimes, yeah, I have to like pour the champagne on the carpet just so she's something <laughs> yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. And obviously that was a joke, but I was like, finally, that's your truth now. I yeah. want to watch your truth. Yeah. But it's very hard, it? especially if you maybe come from, I know there are some very lefty comedians who became very wealthy and then found yeah. it hard. How do I still maintain being lefty? Because that's it, because you do want to hear their yeah. truth, but equally you want some kind of relatability yes. and that that yes. can be a And that can be with, balance, just with, right? with your maybe personality or attitude yeah. or something like that. Um, How did you find LA uh, comedy scene? Because that must be interesting to go to where you haven't got as much any profile name, at all or, or, yeah, or any yeah. profile and, and, yeah. and going out and doing those gigs from what I see from the outside it looks like an amazing scene because it seems like so many people that are it's, dropping in it's and not an amazing comedy scene and I'll tell you why do, do. the um the comedy you go to LA when you've made it somewhere else right. so once you land in there you're not going there to be really creative and explore you might do that right, but you're not testing things out yeah. and there are so many comedians there and everyone's at a level trying to make things work now I really like it out there for kind of odd reasons I kind of went out there when I was nearing 30 for the first time mm -hmm. so already I wasn't panicked about being a 20 something 
girl being really skinny and things and yeah. going because that's how you get treated, especially as an actress. Yeah. I also went out with comedy. So in comedy, you just have to be funny. So I knew going into a room, I could be the funniest person in the room, whether they put me in a show or not, I wouldn't yeah. know. But at least I had that on my side and I wasn't trying to pretend to be really young and 20 and go for those parts. Yeah. And also it's, I've nothing to lose by going out there. And yeah, it's just sure. such a dream for me. Like I grew up and just being there. I'm so thankful to even be there. I completely under- and understand. And some people it. go out with a big bag of dreams and go make me. Whereas I was like, I'm here and I'm happy with that already. Yeah. And some people really get their heart broken when it doesn't work out. Whereas I'm, I'm a gritty little grafter and I just like being out there. I also went out one time after I'd worked a lot here and I was really tired and a bit sad. I'd, I'd, um, come out of a breakup and I was just so happy to be out there and I have a lovely group of friends out there. Yeah. And so it did me the world of good being there and for for a lot of people LA is a hard business town where they are just constant disappointment and rejection but I've managed to find this lovely little messy community there of people yeah, who are like that's perfect, we're right? grand now. So I do have a very uh, different experience to probably 70% of people who go out there and I don't make any money out there but I'm making enough money in the UK to afford to be out there and not make money, it's which weird, is a real... because you're the first person I've heard to say that, and that's my exact experience of LA, of, yeah. of going out there for auditions and stuff. And I said, for, I, I, I'll go out there and I'll be told by numerous people, oh, it's cutthroat out here, it's horrible, yeah. it's this and that. I have a wonderful time and I get to go up for stuff that's yeah. like, how mind-blowing is it that I'm getting mm. to audition for that? And I don't get them and they tell you you're wonderful and all that, but again... Mm. I don't mind being told that. If, yeah. if, if they mean it or not, it's still a it nice would have day, been a isn't lot it? Harder. It's still a nice day. Uh, I remember I went out as part of a showcase when I was at drama school and I was about 23. Oh, right. And I had bleach blonde hair and I was a size 12 and I got told to lose weight. And that was me being there for a week and a half. So That's I really feel fine, so. Yeah. And I was just an actress and I didn't do any comedy or stand up. Yeah. Because also I, so say last pilot season, which is where you go out and audition for all the new pilots during February and March. Yeah. I probably auditioned for 40 things. Now that would have been really lonely if I was just auditioning every day and every person I met during the day was another actor that we wrote for the same part and were yeah, technically competition. Yeah. But actually in the evening I go out and I gig. And I'm not, when you're on a bill with lots of people, you're not competing against them. You're making a night together. Yeah. And we're all creating and putting ourselves forward. Yeah, and completely. So you're still getting to have a creative buzz. And I'm very lucky that I now do stand up, that I have that in the evenings to fill my time. And I think one, one week I made a dollar, literally a dollar from like, they were like, oh my God, we collected lots of money in the bucket tonight. So everyone's getting paid. I'm like, yahoo, here's your dollar. Here's your dollar. Here's Amazing. your dollar. But it, it feels like I've got a creative outlet when I'm there, which is very nice. It's, it's, it, it feels like a great balance. And I think it's... It, it, but I'm it, also very lucky to be able to afford to do that. And I'm so grateful that the work I get in the UK affords, affords me that. Yeah, and that's, so the, that's key, big the key there, I think. The, the people I speak to, because I'm just starting off in the acting world and absolutely mm-hmm. adoring it. But again, it's a similar thing. The people I speak to who seem to feel it's this cold, cutthroat, mm-hmm. horrible place are the people who don't have anything outside of it. And I don't yeah. mean that they don't have family. Obviously no, but it's lives, really but, hard. But I've got f- actor friends who can't write and yeah. so they don't, they only get to be creative, brilliant actors. They only get to be creative when they're in someone else's when thing and you're always waiting for the telephone to ring. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of ideal to be in that situation where you're doing all these different things and uh, I mean, I think it's, it's. I'd, I'd like to know how, how it's been f- for you because often, there's a pushback if you are known for comedy or for stand-up. Yeah. Do, 
dramatic stuff and 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 the fall was one that i thought was absolutely amazing i thought oh, it was, it was fantastic and it took me by surprise because when you came off on screen yeah. i was like oh wow and i was it's aware funny, of your comedy of i was a fan are... of your comedy but i hadn't hadn't seen your dramatic acting and i thought well it's not going to be a comedy character. I've seen the other series. Yeah. It's I not used to get, suddenly be his. I used to get some tweets in about the fall being like, oh, is Jason Manford going to be outside sweeping up outside the hospital <laughs> and she's a nurse? But um, I've been a dramatic actor a lot longer than I've been a stand-up yeah. and I've been a writer a lot longer than I've been a stand-up right. and people ask me, oh, so you're going to keep up the acting now? And you're like, yes, of course. And would you ever think of writing? You're like, yes, of course. But it just sort of took off. I think I hit a wave of, of luck when I started out where people wanted to see more women on TV. Yeah. And so I was maybe five years ahead of people who didn't get the look I had. And I'm very aware of that. Right. That there were maybe female comics who couldn't get paid five years before me and gave up because they couldn't make money. Yeah. And I, starting out, made enough to kind of not, like I took out a bank loan to not have to work in a pub. Like I did all that. Like I've always been a risk taker with my career in a sense. But I still know I'm incredibly lucky to have gotten paid quite early in my career yeah which enabled me to go yeah i'm gonna go for this um like a lot of people know like a three or four year period into stand-up and they remember the day they quit their job because they can afford to to start stand-up and i was sort of afforded that i was already like working as an actress which paid for me a little bit as well like when i came out of drama school like no cash again i took out a bank loan i worked as promo jobs and bar jobs and restaurants and waitresses and everything but it not for more than maybe two years and i've had like i'd say i have 20 auditions a year now i used to have maybe 40 and i'd get one of those maximum and so i'm used to the rejection side of it and 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 how do you I, f- I feel on that because again I'm, I'm genuinely this isn't even the podcast now this is me yeah. just because I, I I love auditions everyone seems to hate them I find them mm. absolutely fascinating but I think it's because I'm fine with rejection I listened I to a, a TED talk recently on success and this woman has interviewed all different types of successful people in all different types of fields yeah. uh, not literal fields <laughs> um, but in all sorts of different uh, areas and she says that the one thing that connects everyone is not talent or luck or what social strata you come from the colour of your skin although we'd like to think that and that of course uh, contributes to things sure. privilege etc but she says the one things that thing that connects everyone who stays successful is grit Mm-hmm. and I'm from a very gritty background yeah. so I was brought up by a single mother who brought us up on her own yeah. and she was gritty and my whole family is gritty and farmers and if something didn't work out they do something else and I've always had and maybe I mean I I know Sharon Horgan very well and she comes from a farming background and I know the family very well mm. and they're gritty as well and all of the families succeed in their chosen fields because they have a grit and an, um, a sort of ability to see the next thing and yeah. never... And a bit of it can be a bit negative in that sometimes you don't get to enjoy what you've done because you're always going, I'll do something else as well, though, just in case. Yeah, yeah, You yeah, always yeah. have a just in case head. Yeah. And I've seen some people lose their head, get money in for the first time, forget to pay their tax bill and think it's going to last forever. Yeah. And the following year they've no cash and the, there isn't a job coming in. They cannot believe it. Yeah. They cannot yeah. believe they're like, what? But this was the dream life this I was promised. This is how it was going. Yeah. Yeah. Or they get really caught up on fame and they're famous for a year and it's gone the next year. And yeah great and the ability to keep long for me I always felt like getting hired twice is the key not getting hired once Mm -hmm. or still be working in three years time like let's just see and or one series of a show isn't enough because I've been in 
something like, I think, 20 pilots of TV shows, maybe 25 right. pilots of TV shows that no one in Britain will ever have seen except for the people in the offices. Right. So I know what it's like to fail. And until it's se- poster of series two on the tube, yeah. I don't get overexcited. That's not to say I get negative. I'm just a bit of a realist. How, and that how, sort of grit how do maybe. you keep... Or how do you have um, a, a, a truly critical mind on on pilots that you're doing? Because has it been the case that yeah. of all the 25, you've thought at the time, oh, this is brilliant, and then it turns out it's not a cost? Or have there been ones that you're like, yeah, this is this very is all right. With TV, with theatre, when you do a play, in general, you have a good sense whether it's a good one or a turkey. And I yeah. haven't done theatre in, in quite a long time, but generally you're sort of there seeing what the audience will yeah, see yeah, in yeah, here yeah. with um uh i sometimes there are table reads of things and you're like oh my god this is the best thing i've ever written yeah and then you watch how it's filmed and the costumes and all the different levels you're like oh i didn't think it would edit together like that or yeah. that's really odd or else you can think something's fine but you can't see it off the page you can't imagine it mm-hmm. um this is not an example of that but I remember being doing the read throughs. So I read read throughs, table read throughs for a lot of um, TV shows. You get one or two actors in to play loads of parts that they don't yeah. have the big actors for yet. And Toast of London, which is Matt Berry's yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I have never laughed so much. And I felt like I was there at the start of something special. Yeah. And Arthur Matthews, who was half of the Father Ted team, and Matt Berry wrote those shows. And, yeah. and it did translate yeah. to when they filmed it. But there was still an extra level when they filmed it that I hadn't seen. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. how weird the costumes would be and how, and right. how choppy the edits would be. Yeah. That would, would give it an extra voice. Um and what the background of the set would look like. I didn't know if it would look like it exists in the real world or would it look kind of sketch showy or yeah. how much magical realism there is. But just the words on the page made me laugh like a drain. Amazing. And I really thought, oh, this is this is going to be special. And it did turn out to be something the, quite special. And then the pressure is there, exactly that, to translate that onto yeah, the screen. Yeah, and I was not, loving if, being... If everyone's of, aware that it's hilarious, there's yes. that pressure of, don't fuck this up. This, like, yeah. like, this is brilliant. And yeah. now we've got to get that out of this room and onto the yeah, like onto the screen. For example, actually, when I was doing The Fall, I I never watch anything I'm in. I yeah. hate seeing myself on, on camera. It really makes me paranoid. And I don't think that's a bad thing because I feel like if the audience are enjoying what you're doing and the director tells you what to do, yeah. if I look at my face, I just see all the weird things I'm doing and I don't look at the job anymore and I get too like... Bleh. Completely. It's, it's yeah. understanding that you're a cog. Yeah, uh, like I think I look if, like if, you on stage. I think I'm a man, a white man with a beard. Yeah, and yeah. when I see myself on panel shows with my long, lanky white arms, and my Irish accent, I can't believe, I yeah. cannot believe that that's what people put on telly. But that's it. If, if you're watching it, you, you'll you be so focused on that. what's wrong with you. What's wrong. Yeah. And the fact is, exactly as you said, if they've said that that's a wrap on that scene, They've got what they need. You've given what they need. It's not, it's not your show. It's not your. It's really lovely in that sense when you work with a director you trust. Because sometimes when you work with a director you don't trust, you're like, you didn't get it. Because I know I didn't get it. And you didn't. I don't trust you at all. Turk, turkeys are coming before Christmas. That wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember what I was saying. When you were working on the fall. Oh, yeah. On the fall. What was interesting was I genuinely thought I went in, did the part of a nurse. I trained as a nurse for a whole day in Belfast intensive care with real nurses. I really put a lot into being a nurse in that, but I didn't see Jamie being creepy or anything. And only when everyone started going, oh my God, he's going to kill her. 
did I go, I have to look at this and see what everyone's talking about. Yeah. And Alan, the director, who I bloody love, Alan had written the show and directed it, hadn't been telling me that the camera had been doing all these creepy angles with Jamie looking at me as I was washing him and right. stuff. Amazing. And opening his eyes and all this kind of stuff. Like I knew a little bit, yeah. but it was really good because I was kind of getting on with my nursing. Doobie-doobie-doobie-doo. Yeah. I wonder if I'll ever make the edit. Maybe yeah. I'm just an extra. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he actually hadn't been telling me that he was using that as a sort of way to, to as like he was kind of poking in on me like a through the keyhole thing he, like through Jamie's eyes and it was it was great I was delighted he nailed to that tell though because that's exactly it. it's perfect because we are all aware of who this character is and how dark they are and how conniving they are yeah. and manipulative but your character isn't particularly meant to be. You're yeah. there as a caregiver. Scared. And, and she is a bit weird and, and religious and she has a vibe of a sort of maybe slightly creepy nun. Yeah. But... Um, I love that. I love that angle of you genuinely not knowing some of the creepiness that was coming across. Mm. I, I can't remember who it was recently who was saying when when they're playing a bad guy, they have to believe... I think it was Jamie. Jamie it might have been Jamie. Jamie had that in that when you have to uh, take on a character who's in any way evil... You have to get, you can't just go, I can't believe anyone would ever do this. Yeah. You have to work out why they would. Yeah. So and, why and would a woman be nice a to a serial kind of murderer? Yeah. Why would a woman be nice? And it's because she thinks that he can be saved. Mm. And imagine if you could save him, it would show that people can save and religious yeah. can, religion can save. Yeah, completely. So that was my thought process behind the character was like... He's, he's gorgeous as well. Yeah. I mean, I had that as yeah, well. I this, would have been like, come on, look This hottie, come on, gals. <laughs> no way. You have to forgive a little face <laughs> like that. <laughs> So yeah, so that was kind of my thinking behind that. I love that. I love that. That that uh, I love that when you did watch it back, you got to see things that you didn't see because you were the character. Yeah. The character didn't know that was happening, therefore you uh, you, you didn't know. But that that's was happening. the difference that's, between TV and say a play or a stand up or a stand up where you don't know how they'll edit it. There's so many people coming in. There's sound. There's a camera. There's the director. There's what the other actor is doing when you turn your back. Yeah. You don't know the lighting. You don't know how creepy it's looking on camera yeah, or how completely. it's reading. Whereas in a play or in stand up, it's me and the microphone. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to the audience. I know how it's coming out and I know what what got said and yeah. you've total control and sometimes that can be overwhelming and panicking that you're in control of all of it and there's no one helping you and you're there on your own and the successes are yours and the losses are yeah. yours and they're so embarrassing when you die but also you don't have anyone to share the elation with but you do own it all like I did that yeah. that was just me but with I do miss the collaborative nature of TV sometimes. If I, if I do too much stand-up for a while, yeah. I really miss acting. Like, I have yeah. to have a balance or I get a bit um, uh, stir-crazy in my mind and my soul. It's interesting, though. When you are acting, then, do you just play completely in the room, in the real world, and have to be... Or are you aware of, oh, we're doing my close-up now, or we're doing this angle yeah, now, you do. or things I'm like not, that? I'm not one of those... I'm not a Daniel Day sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I love being around a crew... I, I love when I'm doing a comedy acting job, there's nothing better than feeling like the cameraman almost shook the camera because yeah, you did yeah, something yeah, funny. Yeah, like yeah, I live, yeah, like perfect. I'd be a real tart for a laugh. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him this time now with this close up. <laughs> Wait till I get it. There's one cameraman in particular who I've worked with on a couple of jobs and I, it gives me such joy to see his shoulders going because you, his eyeball okay. is covered up with the camera, yeah, but you yeah. can see the little smirk underneath the eyepiece. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything to, to make that continue to happen. Brilliant. Um, and then with the drama, you have to be really careful 
not to sort of, <laughs> I know sometimes like Jamie's really good at switching in and out of character, Jamie yeah. Dornan. And he also, for a lot of it, was playing a man who was asleep. So he'd be like, ah, yeah, just having a little chat going, how's your daughter, John? Great. And then he'd go back to sleep and we'd be having a <laughs> laugh and he'd like say something to me like, ah, I should have been a slut. And I'd be like, Jamie, Dor-, and then I'd have to get into character yeah. and I'd take a take and I'm like, feck, I gotta, you know, go to the character yeah, again. Yeah. Like, let me take a second. Um, where in comedy you want to keep it live and you don't want to do too many takes yeah, because you might kill the comedy either. It's, 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 it's great to, to find that motivation because on stage your motivation is clear. There's an audience there, you're trying to make yes. them laugh. So that could be lost in TV comedy or film mm. comedy. So it's great that you've, you've, you've found your audience in literally the cameraman or, yeah, or the AD or whoever else of going. Yeah. He's so that you're still... You're chasing that yeah. laugh in that moment rather than yeah. it's a long day, it's been going on, let's yeah. just get the lines out, let's get this through. You've still got and that motivation. Drama, of, I still need to try to and get really that. pretend that no one's there. So I'm, I'm, I just finished this new drama um, called Hard Sun and I think it's going to be so... Like, this is the thing. You never know. This is a new show. 100%. Neil Cross wrote it, who wrote Luther, and it's his I big new Luther. show. I love Luther. I love, I love, love, love this script. It's a real page turner and I yeah. rarely read scripts like a book. And I was like, oh my God, ah, what happened next? I was gasping yeah. as I read it. And it's this new, uh, like, post-apocalyptic or pre-apocalyptic drama. And that's not giving away anything. Um, I think I'm allowed to say that, yes. And um, I remember one day we were doing this really tough scene where uh, it was just myself and this other actress in a sitting room and we were having a really tough chat together and I was trying to hold back tears. And the cameraman, it was just one day, they couldn't, we were up against it time-wise and they couldn't get the camera to stop squeaking. And I'm doing this big scene where I have to sort of cry at the end of it. And every time the camera would move, it went, and it's supposed to be just the two of us there. Now, the 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 microphones weren't picking up the squeak, but I could hear it. And this camera is a close up on my face. And I'm trying to pretend there's no one else in the room. And I'm doing a London accent. And I'm trying to get into the emotion of it and imagining what the character must have been going through. And every time I went, yeah, it go right in your face. And there's a man behind the cameraman pulling him back and forward to move the camera around. And it was just so funny. It felt like such an Alan Partridge sort of, or yeah, like, yeah. Uh, uh, what's that movie about the band? Why can't I think spinal of it? Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah, it yeah, felt like yeah, such yeah. a Spinal Tap moment. Yeah. And you're trying not to laugh just in the drama. and or get annoyed. Uh, and you're trying to, uh, <laughs> and you're trying to stay in it. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard. So in those moments in the drama, you really want to pretend no one else is there. But there's like, if if you could turn around and see what I took a picture actually and, and posted it one night online, like if you could see what's in the background behind like you sitting there just having a glass of wine, crying on your own in a drama yeah. and there's 14 people all looking a bit bored because they've had a long day. Someone with a clapper, someone with a, like a, a boom yeah. crouched underneath a coffee table with a sore back because they have to kind of hold the boom up underneath you. So you really have to to be able to sh- yeah. sh- to shut just, down, just shut and that's up. when like you can't be too precious about being like I must have the room clear and pretend I'm actually in the 1930s. Yeah, you go. Yeah, sometimes you just have to turn up, and ev- just, everyone has yeah. a job to do as well. Yeah. So I get a little bit. Um, I never mind 
anyone having their process if it doesn't get in the way of someone else's. Completely. I, I, and so sometimes d- I get a little bit suspicious about anything that doesn't allow other people to do their job well. Like if you're like, no, no one can step in for a check or change the costume. It or, can be key to have that boldness at, po- at, at yeah. points. The, the first uh, TV series I did, there was a guy who I was in a lot of scenes with and one day he really got angry and was like, no, mm-hmm. we need to do it this way. And at first I was like, chill out man and kind of he seen yeah. that but then you realize well no and particularly in tv mm-hmm. he's been playing that character for five episodes yeah and the director of that day was just directing that episode yeah. so it's that kind of it suddenly clicked as like, oh no right and again if his character is changing vastly across the episodes yeah. it'll be on him yes, no one's exactly. gonna go oh who directed but this particular also episode? So a polite way to it. say that though completely and completely. you have to clear it with your director first that there's your process like you can come across some assholes who are like why is this still happening yeah and it ruins everyone's day and yeah. you're like you there's a there's a chain of command like in any situation and i've worked with one or two actors completely. who've really ruined it for everyone else oh, really by deciding to throw their weight around rather than ever again just going uh would you mind if I just had 10 minutes alone or can we only have two people in the room when we do this? Yeah. I'm finding it hard to get into character. Because yeah. you're right, it will end up their face on the cover of the thing. Yeah, yeah, completely. But there is, there is, you have to be careful how assholey you're allowed to get. And that's the same on yeah. even comedy jobs and panel shows. Because you're the one in the front as well. Yeah, so you're but the one everyone that will come else is still doing their I think, job. I think an AD yeah. has has the unwritten authority to be an ass mm. like whenever he needs to because he's needing to get things done. He's needing to be yeah. that harsher that harsher tone but mm. if you're the talent as such yeah you can completely and come across quite quickly when as a, you, m- you know you might get angry because if, if like say for example in a panel show or something if they're rushing you to get on and you're like i don't have my jokes written down you're like it doesn't matter you're like honestly you're not going to be the one getting tweeted at yeah. and you're not going to be the one who comes across as unfunny yeah. or, or you're, you don't get to say at the end of a show all the reasons here's, here's, here's why reasons this why hit. this didn't yeah. work as well but there is still a polite way to do that. And I've seen some people be assholes about it. And I think we have to be very careful that we don't, uh, that we don't um, have one rule for some people. Yeah. And we are all creative weirdos, etc. But there's, there's a way of doing it without ruining someone else's day. And I've seen people kind of shout at people and stuff like that, where you're like, this isn't, this isn't, uh, you can, everyone still has to go to work. And if, if the end job Completely. costs people their mental health because they hate going to work every day, then that's, that's not something. Hundred percent, and it's an awareness that normally, no matter how long it is and how stressful it mm. is, when you leave set, there's people who aren't leaving yeah. set yet. My there's sister, people who are, who are already there all morning yeah. and are going to be there. I think tidying more, up your trailer and doing all sorts yes, of other shit. I'm more so, aware of it because, my and they're not going to get the wow, you were amazing in that show. It's just another day at work. Yeah. I'm, I'm more aware of my sister's a costume designer and I see her leave the house sometimes at 5am and get back at 9am. Yeah. So the actor, who would be me, when they arrive, has their costume there yeah. and she collects the costumes at the end of the day. So no matter how long your day is, is the talent, yeah, a bit longer. someone else's day is a bit longer. Yeah, yeah 100%. Which, I'm just a bit conscious of sometimes. And it's good to be conscious of that, though. I think yeah. that keeps you honest in that Don't way. get me wrong. I'm sure I've come across as an absolute wacky bell end at times, but <laughs> it's it's no harm like try, keeping on clocking in with yourself as well. It's very, do you know what it is? It's difficult to know when you don't want to be a rollover, mm-hmm. a walkover rather yeah. than a rollover. A rollover is for the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when someone hasn't won over the weekend. <laughs> A walkover. You don't want to be a walkover. You do want to like have a have a level 
of a way you get treated. And I, especially, mm-hmm. I think especially as a woman, you should be very careful not to go, no, fine, sorry, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. And then there's at what point you realise you're being a knobhead. And it's really hard to find the line because yeah, people, a, a, people a throughout balance, history have had to make a bit of trouble to get equal rights or equality. 100%. And I'm sure people have made them feel like they're being difficult. Yeah. And in those moments, you're like, no, I'm not being difficult. This situation has put me in this. And mm-hmm. Or when people that sort of calm down, dear, and you're like, oh, am I making trouble? And sometimes you just go, yeah, I'm fucking making trouble. Yeah. Thank you very much because trouble needs to happen right now for yeah. this to work out yeah. and I don't give a shit anymore. And then there's times where uh, there can be a politer way to do things. Yeah, but you, it, it is hard sometimes. I think women are a lot of the time maybe maybe to feel like they're being a bit too much trouble, and you're like, oh, imagine if that was trouble. Yeah, I mean, it, I can't think if it was it was either Ryan Reynolds or Chris Pratt recently. I think mm-hmm. who was talking about their their child and said that um, someone at one point casually him or his wife mm-hmm. described their daughter as bossy. And they mm. said, right, we're outruling that word because yeah. you wouldn't call a, a boy. boy you go, oh, he's so confident. So at, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I, I hate it that as is well. absolutely true. It's finding those things where you're like, right, no, I'm not being yeah. a diva. A diva's yeah. a prime one because that's, that's, that's a female because... attached nay, Although it will go to men and women now. Yeah. That's, that's a diva you'll generally yeah. attribute to a, 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 a and woman. And it's hard so. as well because you're doing it for a bigger reason. So yeah. you're not doing it to, when, when, that's where you go, am I doing this to be difficult or am I doing this for a bigger reason? And you know in your gut it's not right. And it can feel very patronising, especially if you are ever in a situation where you're invisible and you realise people can't see you and you're not being heard or you're not being seen. That can be so emotive and it makes you emotional and it's really hard to put forward an argument when you're emotional. Yeah. And that's that's the worst thing about... I I read this article recently about by this... um, black man who was talking about his husband or his, his wife and he said he only realised when he realised how black men were portrayed in the media as their opinions being valued less because of the angry black man stereotype mm-hmm. how long he had not valued his wife's opinion right. and he loves her he thinks she's a very intelligent woman and all of this but he's like I can't believe how long I've mistrusted her emotions because when I cry about something, it's because someone close to me has died. So when she comes in crying about someone, uh, um, a telephone operator being rude, I'm going, you must be crazy because I only cry when someone's died. So you're associating that telephone operator being rude as equivocal to someone having died rather than going, oh, you're just you just cry more than me and yeah, you're getting you your emotions out. Things, it yeah. doesn't mean you're being less intelligent yeah. than me. But sometimes an emotional or a different way of responding, we filter it through our own filters and going, that's yeah. ridiculous. So you're being emotional about this, which means you're overreacting. Emotion yeah. is overreacting. Yeah, and yeah, women yeah, can yeah. be more emotional in their arguments, which um, people think is overreacting. So if a black man is telling you something and he's angry, they're overreacting. I'll wait for him to calm down and then I can get the truth. Whereas yeah. a white person or a white man, you might go, oh no, this is the facts. Here are the That's facts it, without it, any emotion around them so we can actually escape. see what happens. It gets yeah. that blanket escape. It's like, oh, she's being emotional. It's like, right, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, Why don't there's you probably come back a reason and, tell me and there's exactly. probably some r- r- ration in there. There's probably, yeah. but it's all of it. No, I don't have to pay attention mm. to any of it. Yeah. Because she's been... Whereas she's my, been when my friends tell me things through the guise of emotion, my female friends through mm. the guise of emotion, I see the situation. I don't read it as yeah. different or weird. Yeah. Whereas 
because everything gets filtered through maybe a white male perspective, health and science and the TV and the news and facts, yeah. that's what we've been told to trust is like option one. Mm-hmm. Anything outside of that, we're like, well, let's just wait and see. Yeah. Let's just, just wait and see. Yeah. And it was really interesting because he was really admitting it from his own point of view, but he was admitting it to himself. And that yeah. was like quite a big thing. And sometimes we're like, oh, well, you have to look at situations from only a logical point of view. You can't always take emotion in, but we should when uh, judges um, make cases or when they make judgments in courts of law, they should be bringing in an element of emotion plus, plus the law. There should be judgment there. There should, there be, should be a and, balance of the two. It's, 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 yeah. it's because of our mistrust in individuals that we have these stupid mm. rules that, that are blanket and yeah. that, well, the, the law says, I, I mean, I know you shouldn't, I know it's mm. not technically this, but the law says that you have to, go to prison or whatever else. It's like, no, you yeah. should be able to go, oh yeah, this is Wait, silly. Now, what this does is my silly. Let's look at this rationally and calmly. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's something that has to maybe change a little bit of yeah. how we, how we understand each other's points of views. For example, I was watching Grace, Grace and Perry's documentary, All Man, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating and I'd recommend everyone to watch it. It's on YouTube, but it's a bit of a scribbly version of the original Channel 4 right. version, but it's really, really good. And in it is, I always kind of, were, um, I'm like, oh, why don't men talk about their emotions the way women do? It'd be so much easier and we'd all get along much better in our in our relationships. Because suicide is the biggest killer of men under 50 in yeah, Britain and 100%. Ireland. Why are men not talking about their emotions? And women, there's this stereotype of women as um, naggy, 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 blah, blah, blah. What we actually do as women is from a very young age, create a vocabulary of analysis about our emotions and talk to each other and describe things and work things out by talking to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get to our 30s, statistically women kill themselves less. We have this language where we're like, oh, I feel lonely. That's why I'm going out getting night, uh, getting drunk every night. Yeah. I feel ashamed of something. He made me feel awful. I was, I was bullied at work. I feel really sad. I'm embarrassed about how I behaved last night. We have the language to say that. Mm-hmm. men are taught to go out and kick a ball go and do something else go out and play your guitar don't analyse your feelings with your friends yeah, man and so up. man up and by the time a lot of men get to their 30s they might punch a wall and not be able to articulate why they did that yeah, sure. so I had a boyfriend who used to overreact a lot and he just didn't have the and I was like why does he not just talk about his feelings and say he's stressed out beforehand he just practically did not have the language yeah. and the words and the skill set that and it I takes have. Development and yeah. So by the time that. he, I remember he like pulled someone aside at work and like grabbed them really harshly, and afterwards he was feeling so bad about it. And it's because three weeks before that, when he was with his friend, if you did a sort of like rewind, he couldn't even say to his friends in the pub, "God, I'm stressed out about this. I'm panicking because I'm worried. I feel really vulnerable that this that this thing at work might not go well." and if it doesn't go well, I might not make enough money for the business and blah, 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 blah. And all of those things, working them out with his friends or his family would have prevented him getting to a level where the only thing he could do was grab someone in anger. To that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that happens a lot with men. And if we could do anything, it would be instill a skill set of language of how to articulate, I feel angry. Why do you feel angry? I feel angry because of this. And what are you worried about if you get angry? I'm worried I'll hit someone. What does that make you feel? And and so you're crying now. And why are you crying? And it's very, but it is very sad, isn't it? And allowing people to stay with their shame and vulnerability and allowing vulnerability, yeah. not only for men to come forward, but for other men and women 
when those people come forward to talk to be open to that not to go ah you'll be grant and that's the key as well though i think Who, that, how that do is, you receive it's, that it's, it's both sides i watched i watched a, a documentary recently called the red pill which mm-hmm. which was a big documentary about um a woman who was a feminist who went in to explore the men's rights movement because mm-hmm. of some of the negative things that was coming yeah. out of it then she decided she was it's i wasn't a big fan of the documentary it's an interesting watch yeah but the thing that annoyed me was it seemed to pit f- feminism at odds with the men's mm. rights movement and in my mind they sh- sh- shouldn't yeah. be in most situations they're fighting together a lot of the feminism men's rights movements men. Were, exactly a lot of the men's rights thing was saying exactly as you said that a suicide is the biggest killer of of men and it's because men have the pressure to go out and earn and they're the, the pressure to do this and, and yeah. all this and but my thought was, how's this an anti-thing? Feminism wants equality in the workplace so that women are going yeah. out to work as it's well. Very and interesting, it's, and, that and movement, so because it's so, it's so negative for a lot of men. The reason being fen- feminism and uh, uh, the, the kind of fight for equality for people of different races is trying to achieve something for ourselves mm-hmm. that will hopefully benefit everyone. Whereas the fight against those is people attacking it's outwardly so that's sort of panicking at points and not realizing yeah. that you're pulling in in the same direction another one of the big arguments was the inequality in men's rights in in custody cases mm-hmm. and things like that and again it killed me because the fact is the, the the law is weighted in favor or no they painted it as the law is weighted in, in favor mm-hmm. of women i would argue the law is weighted in favor of primary caregivers mm. it just happens that throughout history a women yeah. have been the primary yeah caregiver now feminism again wants to push to change that as the default yeah it may be the man that stays at home Mm. it may be the woman that stays home yeah if that was the case it would level out so it just it just felt everything that the men's rights movement were pitting as this isn't fair it's like well women want that changed as well yeah women don't want it to be the men's responsibility to go out and earn that's part of feminism so what you're saying is if women could hand over you having a baby out the hole in your penis, yeah, uh, yeah. like we do it in a heartbeat, do yeah, not worry. Exactly. And I suppose custody cases are an awful example. The reason being, by the time, like there are no metal detectors in places where people get married right. for guns and knives. Right. There are in divorce courts yeah. because people are at this, that stage are so disappointed the hopes and dreams are Such over tension. and it's so yeah. sad and the tension and you have to go through a metal detector the in most divorce the feeling, failure, and so everything. custody is awful because it's your hopes and your dreams and your loneliness and you're losing your children and in those situations god there's no ideal way but the no, ideal so. life you thought is already being broken up and yeah. that's such an emotive place to start to try to find what's wrong with the or how to, how to fix things or how to fix the quality place by the for time a stranger it gets there. to yeah. try and come to these yeah. solutions as well because again uh, not to get hugely into into divorce and whatnot but uh, when i was younger i thought it's completely unfair that a woman gets however much percentage of mm. a man's earnings and then you realize that well in depend on the on, on the situation particularly mm. if children are involved her career has had to yeah. go on hold yeah. and his career has been allowed to grow because yeah. she's stayed at home. Therefore mm. that's completely fair to want mm. that kind of that balancing out and leveling out of that. But mm. yeah, it's, it's a fascinating area that it just, it just it annoys is. me that it's seen as if there are odds when really as you, as what spawned me to go onto that was mm. the solution is men and women. Feminism will help women can help reduce the, 
suicide levels completely with yeah. men. And I really think that I think if you are a man struggling listening to this podcast, reach out to your female friends. Um, not to say that your male friends won't be a great support network. I know, yeah. I know, God, I know so many men who have such amazing male friends and talk about their feelings and stuff. Genuinely, but every reach male out to I know women. that's reached out to a friend mm. has had at least one of their friends respond in saying, oh shit, I've gone through this and yeah. I didn't reach out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, also, often it doesn't have to be a selfish thing. It can be a, you're going to help them out because yeah. as soon as you admit it, they'll go. <gasps> Could I recommend I a few things? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Male mental health is a big passion of mine. And, um, I've worked with and, Calm. Are you familiar with Calm? I've, I've worked with Calm. For yes, years, yes. A campaign against living yeah, miserably. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, let me recommend two things. Uh, one of them is the, well, one of them are <laughs> One of them is, one of them are, these TED Talks by a woman called Brene Brown. And one of them is on shame and one of them is on vulnerability. And they're, most, mm-hmm. they're the most watched TED Talks out of all of the TED Talks. And they're only like seven to ten minutes long. Watch right. them. And it's indicative of what's going on in society at the moment that the ones that are the most watched are about shame and vulnerability yeah, sure. and how much shame we have. And in one of them, she says that she talks a lot about how much women are shamed in the media and our our body image and everything. But a man came up to her after one talk she gave and he said, the women in my life would rather see me die than be weak in front of them. They need me to be their tower of strength. And I think that's a big thing we have to learn as women, that we really need to allow men to be vulnerable Mm. and what we might perceive as weak and foster that more foster that we want you to be vulnerable and 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 sad with us and emotional and that's something that we we want to hear about and we want to listen about and we're not going to find you less attractive or less sexy or less of a man um and that in many ways will sort of help us culturally if we if we do that and women should be trying to help men with that as well in the Mm -hmm. same way men women need men to help them with feminism because a lot of the fight we can't do on our own yeah and uh, we need the support of our friends to to kind of change the what what do you watch do you watch programs with a lot of women in them do you go and mm-hmm. see female comedians do you mm-hmm. listen to female musicians we need men to sort of back us too yeah um completely. rob delaney is an example only has female uh, supports for That's his yeah. stand-up tours uh little things like that make a massive difference they're not big deals but they kind of uh make make a lot of help the other thing is Brene brown's book um which i'm just like telling everyone about at the moment and the only the ironic thing about it is it's sort of an embarrassing cover and title Uh, so for a book about shame and owning your own shame it's sort of embarrassing book to walk around with because it's called the gifts of imperfection (laughs) being yourself and not trying to be anyone else something like that but it also like has a dove on the front of it and it's a little bit kind of like i'm working on myself when you're carrying it around But there's so much in it about shame and vulnerability and allowing yourself to be vulnerable instead of like fighting against it by trying to get your power back when you feel vulnerable or trying to appease people when you get vulnerable or running away and just being silent on your own and trying to run away from it by like owning your vulnerability, admitting things are sad and you feel awful in that moment and acknowledging why. And it's just so, it's quite like American lady self-help bucky, but there's an audio version of it as well. But it is... God, it's kind of changed. In the last couple of weeks, I've been reading it. It's really yeah. changed how I've seen everything. Like, amazing. even us having this chat, sometimes I'd feel under pressure on a podcast to go, God, I better be funny every two minutes or someone yeah, might yeah, listen yeah. to it and not think I'm funny. And if you don't from this podcast, then like the world doesn't crumble around me and 
but you also might have said something that meant something like if you want to see me be funny just come and maybe watch my yeah. stand up and there's still no guarantee that night <laughs> I'll be funny but allowing yourself to be vulnerable can be so much truer and um, more powerful sometimes yeah. than and also you can get your funny back at the end so if you're in the pub with someone and you just have five minutes of a real chat don't worry you can still have a pint at the end of it you're not ruining the whole night with your friends yeah. you're not being a downer you can People don't mind you being, and actually, it's the way you make real Completely. friends and real connections when you do that. And other than seventeen I mean, fake friends, you always have a laugh with. Part of the joy of doing this podcast for almost three years now has been sitting down often with people I know well and having conversations we wouldn't have naturally had in the pub, mm. and learning about their past or their 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 vulnerabilities or their fears or anything else. Because as as men in particular, you will generally sit down and catch up on what's happened. That week, yes. So that's one week. Like, yeah. we've, we've been alive. Yeah, years. Let's, let's Whereas catch women up on tend to go, that. "How's your week? Great. Oh my god, have you ever had your heart broken open so <laughs> wide that you thought you'd never live again? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let me tell you seven stories from my childhood. Exactly. And so I mean, we're already building up the language to do that. Yeah. We're like, "Oh my god, do you think that's why you reacted really badly last week? It probably is. It's something from my childhood. I know what it is. Oh my god, now we fix that. Great. Do you want a cup of tea? Yes. And breaking it down and having these yeah. conversations. I mean, the the I've I've had far more of my male guests at the end say that it felt like a therapy session yeah. because it's unusual. So for mm. speaking to um, a, a, a female guests, not to stereotype, but it's probably more of a regular conversation because yes, we, we're allowed to so. go. There. Whereas mm-hmm. I remember the, I did a two-part, I think, with Stephen Graham and we're really close. And mm. at the end of it, he was like, man, there's so much about his career he hadn't realised because mm. he'd been tricked into kind of thinking he's the working class, Arla. blacked his way in. And he's like, well, no, he went to still a very working class, but a working mm. class theatre group. Yeah. And he came from stage. He wasn't just plucked out of nowhere. Mm. He did years on, and things like that. And he was like, man, I didn't realise I And analysing your feelings and talking about this. them is you sort of, it's like kind of combing through your hair. Yeah. And each time you comb, you get another knot out. Yeah. And that's sort of what uh, opening up does. And sometimes you can let it go too far where you realise there's so many knots in your hair you wouldn't even know where to start and you feel like the comb would get stuck. But honestly, little by little, and that's where things can feel overwhelming and you don't even know where to start. And it can feel so hard to open up because you feel like if you open up, everything might fall out. And you might never get it back in again. But just if you can start in little ways in your chats with people, maybe before you go into pleasantries, ask about their family. Just ask something really personal and deep mm-hmm. kind of quickly. You know who's great at that? Brett Goldstein, our great mutual yeah. friend, Brett Goldstein. Yeah. He's like, I can't do small talk, actually. I yeah. can't. <laughs> and he'll always go straight for like the deepest question you've ever yeah. had. He's like, I yeah. can't talk about the rhyme. Yeah. And sometimes that's like totally weird and he doesn't realise that, Brett, you need to like, like lovemaking, you need to talk a little bit about the rain before you go for the full job. Yeah. But there's also something in that because you can actually have vulnerable yeah. deep conversations there's, with people. There's, ge- there's generally conversations I've had with Brett that I've not had with, with anyone else yeah. and they weren't it wasn't like we'd said, I need to talk to someone, man. It's yeah. just been, we've just sat down and that's where mm. it's gone. We've just, that's, it's good to have that in. in it's a bit I love about being general. a woman and the bit I'd love, I'd love men to have more and my male friends to have more. I love that about women. Like when things have happened in my life, I've been very sad about or upset about. I've had really, like even during my loneliest, I at least I felt lonely but I've had maybe seven people to go to and go, God, yeah. I feel lonely. Yeah. And even though that might not fix why I feel lonely in that time, yeah. I've had 
I've had people to go and discuss the potential whys of why I'm feeling that way. Even if it's for you to go, yeah. they didn't help me at all. They exactly. Don't, they exactly. don't know me. Yeah. They don't know what's inside. Well, what but still might it's... have taken someone else five years to work out, I get yeah. to work out in three months. So it's yeah, not yeah, necessarily yeah. like I, I don't feel sad and very down, but I, I can make choices or get book recommendations or whatever it is. Yeah. And there's no shame or judgment when when sort of women do that with each other. Whereas yeah. like if you were to go to a male friend, Jeff, can you recommend any um any self help books on loneliness and the soul? You're probably gonna be like, mate, no. Like when yeah. does that happen in yeah, a large yeah, people? Yeah, exactly. Um like I hope it happens. I hope people are like, You're stereotyping men, this happens all the time. I really hope it is. But again it should it's Mm-hmm. because on the podcast I've talked to a lot of people about depression and stuff like that mm-hmm. I feel really lucky that I am someone that appoints my mates are, are more comfortable to come to yeah. because of that because I've talked to a lot of people about mm-hmm. it it doesn't feel as weird but it shouldn't take that but it happens slowly but surely go, it's like is, you yeah. don't start eating vegetables when you're in hospital yeah. you start doing it well beforehand to look after your health yeah, and I exactly. think men are definitely encouraged to look after their outside maybe sometimes more than women in that like women are judged by their outside but men are yep. encouraged to sort of like go to the gym or look a certain way or look funny or look whatever it is but we're, we're, they're not given in schools and growing up this is what you do when you're sad. This is what you do when you're lonely. This is yeah. like how you look after your mind and your soul. Yeah. Uh, how do you create a community of people you can go and talk to? And I'm not saying that women don't get lonely and that there aren't awful situations that happen with a lot of girls as well. But I feel like if you started, it could happen very quickly as a lady and maybe as a man, it, it takes a bit more hard work and maybe we need to be conscious of it more. And also yeah. if a man opens up to a girl, just make sure you never laugh or you never like let allow yeah, yeah, men yeah, yeah. to it'll take a bit longer and that's what i i didn't really realize i was like if i talk to a man about my feelings why does he not talk about his feelings the exact same way back couldn't yeah. understand it until i watched that grace and perry documentary i was like oh because it it happens at a different pace and i can't expect him to come back at me with the exact same way I can, or expect him not to feel overwhelmed by a lot of my stuff coming at him. Yeah. Because if I throw too much stuff at someone who doesn't talk about their feeling lows, it's a lot of blood. It's 17 emotions. Yeah, yeah. Where it's he's only getting through yeah. one, you know. Yeah, And I'm yeah, like, completely. I have 17 before I get to sleep at night and I like to talk about them all. Yeah, let's you know? get this all off my chest. Yeah, yeah, I need to get this all off my chest. It took 85 minutes, but it's going to be a lot. And they're like, oh, fucking hell, I just want to like go to sleep right now and maybe yeah. think about one while I go to sleep. Yeah. Anger is currently the one I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anger and annoyance. Talk to me about it, talk to me about it. Tell me about your anger. Well, uh, uh, we're at the 70 minute mark, so, so we'll start, it flies by, doesn't it? So we'll start to wrap things up. But let's, at the end, I want to talk about something that's, n- I'm sure you've never been asked about, but women on panel shows. No, 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 no oh, I'm, genuinely, sorry, I'm genuinely not going just, that route. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, it, it is kind of a, a, a topic I want to discuss with you because it is something, I think it's, it, it's something that shouldn't be overlooked. The, 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 the rarity of, the opportunity to be a host as a female on the panel mm-hmm. show and then to excel at it as well. Do you, do you know what I mean? With, Here's with, with eight out of ten cats, with Sean and, 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 John. and John doing so well mm-hmm. for so long, whoever took over, I'm a fan of, of, of you and of Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was still, I love Sean and John. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I, it, oh, I, listen, I had them Twitter recorded for ages and then I, I didn't watch yeah. them for a while and then I put one on. And I was slayed. And then I just smashed yeah. for all of them. And it was like, well, it's a different that's a show. massive... It is a new show. Yeah, completely. Um, I, here's the thing. Uh, people always want more women on panel shows, more women on panel shows. I have done maybe 
genuinely 50 panel shows now. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe even more. I couldn't even tell you how many. It's an interesting one, as you QI, said, on the timing. Their own, eight out of ten cats, the, big fat quiz. The timing of when you were blowing up yes, was when there was when this kind need. of push. But you know which... what's never happened? Mm. No one has ever come to me. I think one person came to Sarah Pascoe and said, hey, women find them hard. What can we do? So people tend oh, wow. to throw women into environments without checking what about the environment makes it difficult. Yep. And I can imagine this happens in other workforces. And that doesn't take ages to fix. Mm. And I could tell you, oh, do you know what? Where you put the chair, where you put me near to the host. If there are five male voices speaking at a loud register and you put me the furthest away from the male host who has to shout to try and hear me or speak to me. Yeah that's not going to help me in that male environment. Yeah, if sure. you have another female comedian on the show and you put her on the other team to balance it out looks-wise rather than put her beside me and we've got a language that already works, that's yeah. not going to help me. And no, I've had to fight for those things and say them it's all great, the time. And simple it's boring. and logical things. And simple it and logical it things. It, 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 it shouldn't even be yeah, necessarily just, a subject of male or female. making me female. feel weaker. It's just helping the situation out. Yeah. And... And that's how you kind of equal things out. And Completely. the more female, it's not more female guests on a show, it's more female comedians. 100%. Because again, when there was that big push, there was yeah. a lot of, it It didn't help the situation. I witnessed it. That so, women were put in the slot that weren't necessarily, this is going to sound horrible, but weren't, but, but weren't ready to be in that slot or weren't comedians, as said, were just yeah, a female, female guests. And also, if therefore, I, if you're going to have loads of blokes going, oh, women aren't. Are women and never funny on but these shows. But also, if you have so, a female well, guest, I, I'm so if you come from a farming background and you get into government, you might not prioritize the city buses. Yeah. You might be thinking of the farming because that's yeah. your first yeah, point yeah, of view. Yeah, yeah. It's the same like if you have a friend who looks like you and sounds like you, you're probably going to see them first. Yeah. That's why diversity is really important on panel shows because yeah. you get a, a lot of different voices and people kind of looking out for each other in different ways. If you've all white men talking about the same thing. That's not diversity. It's just a load of stand-ups doing their routines. Yeah. Also, in testosterone-driven uh, cultures, testosterone is one of those hormones that fuels more testosterone. Yeah. So, uh, testosterone-driven cultures where there are mostly males at the top tend to be more warlike. Oestrogen quells testosterone. Right. So, oestrogen, so you put a couple of women in a workforce or in a warlike country and everything quells down. Yeah. And it's better for men's mental health. And I yeah. say this a lot. On the panel shows where I fought for at least 50-50, so all of the last series of 8 out of 10 cats was 50-50 women, uh, female guests and female comedians. It's not enough just to have all female guests, you yeah. need female comedians as well. Completely. Everyone had, when there are more women on a panel show than men, everyone has a good show. Yeah. When there's a few women, a few people have a good show because the testosterone drives everyone to sort of be competitive. And I've come off stage after those shows. No one really feels happy. The person who did really well or the two people who did really well might feel like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show. It was a good show. Yeah. But they don't necessarily feel it was a good show for everyone. They're just like, I got through it. Yeah. Whereas the shows, I and I've seen everyone light up yeah. and everyone just make way for each other when there are more women on shows and everyone gets to be funny and... Those ones, people like wonder, oh, what was it? I can tell you what it is. I've sat there. Nobody except myself and Catherine Ryan has actually ever been a, a, a captain. She was on Bring the Noise, which was a Sky music show yep. and me on Cats. And no one ever comes and asks us. 
No one ever comes and asks, what can we do to fix this or help mm. this? Everyone just goes, oh, we're a great show and we're a great show for women. Don't worry about it. We're actually really pro-women here. No one actually ever comes and asks. And I'm like, and I, and is, are people going around asking black comedians what we could do to change how, how many, uh, black people get on TV? Are people yeah. actually going around to black writers going, what's the problem with writing on TV? Yeah. Are people actually going and asking people yeah. from the diversity quotas that they need how to change stuff? Are people like Riz Ahmed gave a really great speech recently. I think it was up afters or something about how the industry could be changed. Yeah. And people are now inviting like Riz and Idris Elba to go and talk and they're going, oh yeah, we'll take tips from you good you should take tips from the people That's you want exactly in. who you should be taking because tips they, from, we yeah. know and we're the experienced ones knowing how hard it is so but again i i guess it's, it's another one where it's it's it's, it's sadly it's 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 going to be a gradual yeah. thing it's going to be the first step is going oh we're going to have more but women the next step is going you need more than that you don't just need token need to, no we, one wants to be a token on a show but you we wanna, also need to know that 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 effort is for the greater good. Yeah, and it'll you. You're not having to do it. It's not like you're having to sit beside the single old and, uncle at a wedding and you're and like, I know I this is good for the people well, at the wedding, but it's a real drain on me to have yeah, to sit beside the well, single uncle. You're getting to, it's not a sacrifice that you have to do. It actually helps the greater good and it'll help completely. you. Completely. Well. And, w- and what you were saying there about a positioning and seating and stuff like this, for anyone who's thinking, oh, this is just pushing the, the feminist agenda on or whatever. It's like, it's not because... Literally, I've got podcasts on on the network, and we position people, male or female, mm-hmm. because I've got a big, loud, booming voice. Yeah. So if we've got one mic that's recording the whole room, we put me furthest away from it. And you put me that's far just, away as well. And, and that's just for the good the of it. It's, it's, yeah. it's not a case of oh, we need to look after the women. It's like no, it's to make it flow better. Yeah, it's not exactly. Like, Oh, we're not looking after anyone when we do that in our, our one mic mm. podcast. We're looking after the quality of the show, the flow of the show. Yeah. So everyone is getting their interaction in and no mm. one's uh, feeling pushed out. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I said, only reason I wanted to Little even touch like upon that, that was the fact, as you said, yeah. the captain element probably has given you that power and turns out has to, to make some of those changes mm. and be more conscious of that and make it a, a, a welcoming and exciting and engaging if I Cheryl remember when Sandberg, I had who Sarah is, Pascoe on yeah. and she was saying that she didn't enjoy doing panel shows and it was exactly that at that mm. point it was t- probably t- two years ago now she had just done one and came back she said fucking all it was I didn't mm. enjoy it at all I'd rather be going and doing my stand up yeah. and doing my gig Cheryl Sandberg who is the CEO of Facebook so she wrote that book Lean In which is amazing said that until she got pregnant and she was the head of Facebook uh, with Mark Zuckerberg until she got pregnant she didn't realise how boring it was to have to park really far away that there were no disabled park <laughs> car parking spaces for pregnant women yeah. and she's like it makes such a difference in the day to just be, so you don't have to waddle in across a car park yeah, 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 that yeah, you're yeah. just nearer to the door and she yeah. said I'd never thought of like little things that's not meaning that women are weaker it's just during that time it, it's just easier to, did you, did you see Hidden not. Figures for example I haven't seen Hidden it yet, Figures but... is an amazing movie and it's really heartwarming and it's about, about these three black female scientists at NASA when they were trying to get a, a, a spaceship up into the moon and they had to on top of doing all their mathematician work they had to run like ages to go to the bathroom every day yeah. to go to the black person's mm-hmm. bathroom and on the, the until the boss said jesus i'm going to put in bathrooms here and make every just everyone's bathroom near enough they were doing that on top of everything else and just it's like conscientiousness 
that you're not giving away anything by doing that. You're just making no. it a bit easier for people to do their job yeah, in the same way a disability ramp is getting benefits, in the way of like you. You could look at it completely yeah. selfishly. You're going to get better work rates. Yeah. You're going to get better shows if it's all if, yeah. if it's a warm and engaging environment it's where like people are like oh themselves. I don't want to have to pay more tax so that poor people get a, an opportunity you're like yeah I'll pay a bit more tax if that helps them because then I live in the society where people are helped a bit more which will be happy we have to sort of it's n- nicer and friendlier and it's not this I constant I think we've got a real scarcity thing in, in society that we're all getting really scared that there's a scarcity about what we have that yeah. we're all going to lose something yeah. but if we give anything away we're going to lose something yeah. without sort of having faith that it'll all be fine we're, we're so scared we're so scared that an immigrant might take our job or something might and you know and those fears can be real and um, I, and I understand them but if we if we become okay if we get rid of scarcity how much of my what I'm thinking is a fear of scarcity it's I, I put so much of it down to our increasing level of forgetfulness in society <laughs> that is literally it's unimaginable these things but it's like well was literally five years ago that we didn't have smartphones or mm. whatever, or 10, 15 years ago, or whatever it is, or 20 years ago, or we didn't have the internet and yeah. stuff like that. So all of these things, you're like, I don't want to lose this. It's like, mm. you'll be fine if you lose a little bit. Like, yeah, you, a little you can, bit. You can lose can a little bit. If you remember, you were fine 10 years ago. So yeah. all the things you've had mm. since then, you'll be all right if you, if you lose a little yeah. bit. It's going to be fine. Well, thank you very much. Where can people keep up to date on everything that you're doing? Um, I'm I mean, really bad at breather, updating right? my website, but I have to. I really have to start updating it. I just find it a really boring task. Like it yeah. ends up on my to do list. It's it's made it, it update my website has transferred to I think seven to do lists now. Different I swear, bits of that's why social media is so popular because you don't have to yeah you just do it quickly you just do yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. here you go there's what's you go, going on forty characters yeah yeah I suppose Twitter yeah. uh, at we miss B. W E E M I S S B E A Um so there Instagram also we must be if you want to see probably overly filtered photos of my face. Um that's oh, where if you want to send me penis photos then by all means um oh, great. please so that's don't. Instagram. Instagram okay, would be preferential right, okay, for that yeah, because okay, they kind of blur notice. them out. Yeah. When they come into the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Facebook you ones they really don't blur this. them out, they, they you know. Stuff, yeah, they just they? they just come in there. Um but please don't do that. Um, yeah, Pip. <laughs> yep, okay. There's Pip's lad. He does that a bit literally. <laughs> okay, message you got. I have no. to come on your podcast to ask you to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you should come on my podcast. Okay, I'm just coming. I'm, just, I'm, just I'm not a nurse clear. and I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll find someone who can solve that problem. Thank you very much for coming on and thank, thank you, you for so welcoming me into your living room. Scroobius Pip, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> There we go. That was Ashlyn B. Thoroughly lovely and enjoyable conversation. I think she's absolutely amazing. I love her free-ranging stroll from drama to comedy to anything she wants and absolutely smashing it on all accounts. So, yeah, a really good chat. On next week's podcast, I've got Will Porter, who's in, um, in Detroit, which is a movie that's out now. Um, even ahead of the podcast, I urge you to go and see that ASAP. It's a very powerful and amazing film. It's about an incident that happened during the riots in Detroit in 62, I want to say. 
I went to a preview of it the other day. It's absolutely amazing. It's John Boyega's in it. It's fantastic. I can't speak highly enough of it. And the, I mean, aside from it being an amazing film, I really want people to go and see it in the, in the cinema because the greater the box office, the greater the support for more films are like this, telling important stories, rather than just superhero films and so on and so forth, which you all know I love and adore. But we've got tons of them. So the more, I mean, the, this film is already looking like being one of the big box office smashes of the summer. So the more people that get out there and see this in the cinema. Also, it's set in, in, in Detroit in the 60s. So the soundtrack is Motown heaven. So it's definitely worth catching on the big screen in a big system, on a big system. So yeah, Ch- uh, Will's on next week. And then we've got a load of amazing guests. I won't go into too much detail because... The next two weeks, guests I haven't recorded yet, but I've confirmed them, but there's always a risk. So, yeah, I've got three confirmed that I haven't recorded yet that are fantastic, and I've got a couple more recorded, and there'll be the live one. There's a lot to come, basically, ladies and gentlemen, a lot to look forward to. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Again, my Scroobius Pip Times OHW Shoes, out now. Come and check us out. They're amazing. Uh, I'll see you all next week. Ta-ta.